Hello, you're listening to Drawn to the Flame, a podcast for fans of Arkham Horror the Card Game. We're sometimes fortnightly, we're sometimes monthly. I'm your host, Frank, and today I'm joined by... It's me, Peter. Hello, Frank. Hi, Peter. How are you doing? Doing very good. Much better than either of the last two weeks. Oh, excellent. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a, a constant yeah. kind of three-week progression in how good I feel. Oh, that is great. I hope that that is actually the case over the next two weeks, by the way. So up to four weeks then, <laughs> five weeks in fact. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That would be. What great. are we talking about today? Peter? We're doing yet another investigator-specific episode. We quite like to do them in pairs, don't we? We so. do, yeah. And we've done a well. We've we've picked an investigator who covers another two classes we hadn't covered last time. Mm. So, what did we cover last time? We covered uh, Rogue and Survivor. Yeah. So that means up for grabs this week. There's two classes: seeker, yeah, yeah, guardian. That's yeah, yeah, and mystic, yeah, yeah. Another fact about this character is they are a man. Yeah, yes, <laughs> and they have two threes, a two, and a four in their stats. Could it be? Could it be? And they have a five nine health and sanity. Oof. Go on, put me out of my misery. Who is it? We all know who it's going to be. It's yeah. Luke Robinson, the Yay. dreamer. <laughs> this guy. Woo-hoo. Yeah, this guy. So he's four willpower, three intellect, two combat, and three agility, which, funnily enough, is the exact same stat line as Mateo. He's dreamer, drifter, and wayfarer traded. You begin the game with gatebox in play. You may play one event each turn as if you're at a connecting location and engaged with each enemy at that location. Elder Sign effect, plus one, place one charge on Gatebox. Five health, nine sanity. The key to the dreamlands lies within us all. Interesting. So uh, those are interesting. Some interesting traits, right? I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't think anyone else has Dreamer. Does Patrice have Dreamer? Mm, I don't think she does. I think he's the only Dreamer. No, she has Performer and also yeah. Cursed. Mm-hmm. Drifter, interestingly enough, Jenny has Drifter. I think. Yeah, and Ashcan is Drifter as yeah, well. Isn't he? Yeah, Wayfarer. There's quite a few. Leo is a Drifter. Uh, is, is a Wayfarer. Sorry, as is yeah, uh, Ursula. Ursula. Yeah, yeah. So this is it's it's quite an interesting collection of traits. There, it's three traits, which I think is relatively unusual as well. Yeah, but it's yeah. this idea that it really emphasises that he doesn't have a home and he is exploring the dream worlds. Mm-hmm. With those yeah. those traits, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. The homelessness or the driftingness of Drifter. And then also Wayfarer is essentially Explorer, isn't it? It's the characters who like to go out and find unknown lands and, and chart and map them. Yeah. So there's there's two abilities here, both passive abilities. One is that he gets Skatebox. And then the other is that he can play events as if he was connected uh, at a connected location engaged with each enemy there. Before we even look at that, should we do his deck building? What do you want to do? Well, no, I, I want to do his event, his, his ability first, because I've resisted learning about it for <laughs> as long as I possibly can. And the main reason I want to do the, this episode is so that you, Frank, Rules Pro, mm-hmm. Arkham Cards, uh, Arkham DB uh, Ace, can explain it to me. Okay. So, as if was ruled one way and the ruling has been reversed, the 
what happens when um, you use as if is it says that the game state is considered to be altered throughout the duration of the indicated ability or action from its initiation, including the paying of cost, attacks of opportunity, all the way through to the resolution of each aspect of its effect. And the example I give, I think, is a good one. So you're, you're playing as Luke and you want to play preposterous sketches, but there isn't a clue on your location. There is a clue on a connecting location. So you use your ability to play preposterous sketches as though you're at the connecting location. If there were any enemies there, they would have a tax of opportunity against you. If the location said, when you play an event here, reduce its cost by one, you would get the cost reduction. If the location said, after you play an event here, deal one damage to each enemy at this location, you would do that as well. So the whole process of you being at the uh, connecting location, everything that would trigger off that triggers. So so even if so if there's enemies at the, that the location you have to assume they'd be engaged with you. Yes. Right. Okay. That yeah. that that's an and interesting that's part, one. That's partly because of Luke's ability that he says he can play one event each Oh, turn, of course, and if he was at a connecting with... location and engage with each enemy at that location. Interesting. But also even if he didn't say that. So if there was enemies there but they were engaged with other people, he would still be considered to be engaged with them because of his ability. Yes, of course, yeah, yeah. But yeah. If he didn't have that line on his ability, you could get around it that way. The other important thing about as if is it says the game state is not physically altered in any way. So you don't pick up your mini card and put it at that location and you don't move enemies into your threat area. So he's considered engaged with them all, but he doesn't. you don't actually manually move okay. them. And why that's important is that then if you were to put the enemy in your threat area and then finish playing the event, you would then return to your starting location but you'd still have the event the enemy in your threat area that there's the enemies don't somehow teleport to where you are by the end of the as if right okay okay is that clear i mean it's kind of tricksy no i i think that's that's fine if we come across any unusual interactions during the rest of the episode we can we can go through Mm -hmm. them on a case-by-case basis can't we yeah the one that i got asked about straight away which i've got a ruling on is if you're engaged with an enemy at your location and you choose to play an event at a connecting location, what happens? And because the enemy is in your threat area, it's still engaged with you, even though you're playing the event at the connecting location. So say I want to play a read the signs at a connecting location, but I'm engaged with an enemy, I still take an attack of opportunity. And where that's actually useful is if you play, say, a storm of spirits, there can be an enemy at your location and an enemy at mine engage with me, and I play storm of spirits at your location and hit both enemies. Wow, okay. The enemy comes with me. That's pretty cool. (laughs) Yeah, so that's kind of cool that he sort of drags it with him. But it's confusing as well. That's that ability. So essentially, it increases his area of influence. And it's giving us this hint that maybe he wants to run events. What would you like to look at next? Gatebox or his deck building? Because I'd really like to talk about his ability more. Do we want to circle Mm -hmm. back to that once we've done... The requirements, yeah, let's, okay, cool. yeah, let's let's circle right. back to it. Uh, so let's look at his requirements. I think that's traditional. Mm-hmm. So he is deck size thirty, deck build and yep. options. Oh, we've done this the wrong way around. You've read the front of both cards, haven't you? What I read front of Luke and Preston. Yeah, yeah. Right. So deck build. I didn't and know options. that you liked to swap the ordering. What's that? Do you want me to read the back of this card? Well, no, you've already you... read the front now. 
Yeah, okay. You've done the Sorry. fun bit. <laughs> it also means I've got to read the weakness as well, so everyone's going to associate me with the bad card. No, you're not going to read the weakness. There's oh, it's an extra card. Interrupting the weakness. Yeah. Right. Everyone associates you with the bad cards anyway. <laughs> okay, cool. Right. Uh, deck building options. Mystic cards, mm-hmm. level 0 to 5. Seeker cards, level 0 to 2. Neutral cards, level 0 to 5. Deck building requirements. Do not count toward deck size. Gate box, detach from reality, and one random basic weakness. Mm-hmm. So there's nothing too special there. He's a combo we haven't seen before. He's reverse Daisy, uh, yeah. which is nice. But again, well, Preston was very different from reverse Wendy, but mm. Luke's maybe not that different from reverse Daisy. Yeah, you look at the sort of health and sanity, which is identical. And they're both maybe better suited to getting clues than other stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Luke, Luke yeah. sort of leans more in on his tricks because he's got this wild ability and, and uh, signature. Yeah. I think we've seen anyway that the Seeker card pool at level zero is so strong and so potent that if you have access to it, you can do a good stab at being a clue getter. And whether that's your deductions and magnifying glasses or, you know, Eureka and sketches or working a hunch, whatever it is, you can pile even just the 10 or 12 of those cards into your deck and your already off to the races as a clue getter. Interestingly, back to the reverse Daisy comparison, there's there's not more, of, maybe more of a contrast between impact on the game than Gatebox and Daisy's tote bag. <laughs> yeah, okay, so that's where they're different, right? <laughs> so Gatebox, shall I move on to that? Yeah, please do. So uh, as Luke says, you begin play with Gatebox in play. So it's not permanent. It's a three-cost asset. It's unique. It's worlds within worlds. Item and relic traded. Luke Robinson deck only, and it uses three charges. Man, Eldritch Sophist this up, right? Oh, yeah. Free trigger. Exhaust Gatebox and spend one charge. Disengage from each enemy engaged with you. Search your bonded cards for Dreamgate Wondrous Journey. Put it into play and move to it. Should I read Dreamgate Wondrous Journey? Please, yeah. So this is a location, mm-hmm. which yeah. is unusual. Dreamgate Wondrous Journey. Uh, it, God, I don't know what order to read this in because it's a, it's it's a it's a location card. It has a bonded gate box. It has the Dreamlands trait. Sorry, Dreamgate is connected to each other revealed location and vice versa. Enemies and investigators other than Luke Robinson cannot enter Dreamgate. Forced, at the end of the investigation phase, set Dreamgate aside out of play. If Luke Robinson is here, move him to any revealed location. And it has one shroud and zero clues. So the gate box, you get three charges, and as a free trigger, you disengage from each enemy, so you don't exhaust them, but they they unengage from you, and you get to move to this one shroud location that's connected to each other revealed location. And I think, importantly... People miss the revealed bit. So if you're playing a scenario where all the locations are revealed, like Dim Carcosa, say, or Point of No Return, you get access to a huge amount of locations. But if you're playing something like The Forgotten Age, where there are no other locations in play because you've not explored for them yet, you don't actually have a lot of connections to move to. So that's important that his connectedness to the map is so dependent on not just the size of the map, but how much exploring you or other people have done, which feeds into his Wayfarer trait, right? He likes to go and explore, and the more he's explored, the more he can use the Dreamgate to travel the real world. Yeah, I mean, potentially Pathfinder is a fantastic card in him, isn't it? 
It definitely is, yeah. You've got a free trigger to move into the Dream Gate and then a free trigger with Pathfinder to move out of the Dream Gate to any other revealed location. Yeah. But importantly, it's not connected to non-revealed locations. So you can't use the Dream Gate to move somewhere that you've not already been. Um, And that I found really challenging in Solo, which I guess we'll talk about more, is having enough actions to open everywhere up to then make the sort of the network work. That's interesting. Uh, so, so uh, my experience yeah. with Luke is is probably not as in depth as yours. You've played him quite a bit more, mm. but actually, we've started our our blind playthrough team for Innsmouth has Luke in it. It's Luke, oh, Joe, nice. Luke, Joe, and Silas. And just f- on what you were alluding to there, S- the Silas has got track shoes in, so Silas <sighs> is fantastic at running around revealing all the locations, yes. and then Luke can just teleport around after him with his gate box. Yeah. Yeah. If you have one investigator go one way and the other investigator go the other way and suddenly Luke can leap back around and join you and yeah, it's it's incredible. I think there's a couple of important additional things to note about the gatebox. Should I note them now or do we want to do the weakness? I think I'll note them now. Yeah. So the, the first thing is that Luke's ability is you can play an event each turn as if you were at a connecting location and the dream gate is connected to each other revealed location. So suddenly his area of influence goes huge because you could be five locations away from me, but I pop into the gate box and now I'm connected to your location and I could do things to help you out there, whether that's appear in your location and play a blinding light or appear in that location and help you draw cards with deep knowledge, say. You know, I can... All sorts of events I can pop up in your location from the the gate box. Yeah, well, you wouldn't even need to pop up my location. Sorry, I, I... Yeah, just, exactly. Yeah, so you could play them from the gate box, and they they will happen at my exactly. location. Exactly. Yeah, I it's as if I pop up there. As if. What I mean. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't <laughs> have to move if out. You've popped up. And then if I finish the investigation phase as the loot player in Dreamgate, it spits me out wherever I like, as long as it's revealed. Yeah. So, I could I could turn up. You know, I could cover loads of locations. And where this is really cool, I think, is that there is a player window after hunter enemies move but before enemies attack in the enemy phase. So if you picture a setup where there's three locations in a line, there's the hunters in the middle location and you and I are at either end, if you have the hunter enemy hunt to Luke, so to the right-hand side, and then Luke disappears into the gate box, the enemies don't get to hit him then, and that's them done. And then Luke is in the gate box and can come out of the gate box at your end and you've just put distance between you and enemies. So Luke can do a really interesting thing around letting enemies kind of go the wrong way and follow him and then he uses the gate box to return to his teammates and things like that. And that that would leave him in the gate box for the mythos phase as well, right? It would, yeah, it would. And because enemies cannot enter the dream gate, if in mythos he were to draw an enemy that spawns on him, it would just be discarded which is also amazing. Yeah, very cool. So here's a question I've always been too shy to ask, Frank. Mm. What happens if you use top-tier card, quick study, and drop a clue on the dream gate, mm-hmm. and then leave it there without picking it back up? Is it just... Uh, it just it just stays on it, So I think. It would come back when the dream gate reappears? Yeah, because the dream gate, when it goes away, is just set aside out of play. I don't think the clues are removed from it. Unless there's a rule that when locations leave play, they lose all their clues. I I would have to investigate that, though. But you definitely can do things like use Vantage Point (laughs) to put Dreamgate into play and pull a clue onto Dreamgate. Yeah, so it's one shroud. 
because it's one shroud. It's a yeah. good, good place to investigate. And then the other thing I've seen people do is play Seeking Answers, because Seeking Answers in Luke, you get to investigate at your shroud value, but as though you're investigating a connecting location. And you can even play Seeking Answers at a connecting location to investigate a location connected to that location. I'm doing a, a hand yeah. gesture of multiple <laughs> locations, but it's this is where being an audio podcast is not helpful. Yeah. Doing a, a hand gesture of my head exploding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, if we were a video medium, we could, uh, a visual medium rather, we could illustrate that a lot better than this. Should I read the weakness? Mm, no, you shouldn't. Oh, it's you... my turn, and then you I'm... didn't want to read weaknesses. <laughs> this is detached from reality. No, I did not want to read it, Frank. I was annoyed you that I was being be forced associated to... with it. Yeah. Okay. Well, if you'd like to, no, please no, do. fine. Go ahead. This is detached. Engineered from reality. this entirely within your your favour at this point. <laughs> it's a madness revelation. If Dreamgate Wondrous Journey is already in play, flip it over. Otherwise, search your bonded cards for Dreamgate Pointless Reality and put it into play. In either case, disengage from each enemy engaged with you and move to Dreamgate. So this, uh, I'll read the location straight away. Dreamgate, pointless reality. It is a Dreamlands location and it has bonded detached from reality. Enemies and investigators other than Luke Robinson cannot enter Dreamgate. Reaction, after you successfully investigate Dreamgate, flip it. And forced, at the end of the investigation phase, set Dreamgate aside out of play. If Luke Robinson is here, move him to any revealed location, and he takes two horror. So this is similar in a lot of ways to the regular Dreamgate. Mm -hmm. It's not connected to every other location. No, in fact, it's connected to no location. So you can't use your ability, and you have to pass a six-difficulty investigate test if you want to be back into the regular Dreamgate. Mm -hmm. You have the same ability where, you know, enemy... Obviously, enemies can't come in. And at the end of the investigation phase, you get to move to any free location. But you do take two horror as well. Mm. I, I must admit, it seems to me that this weakness, detached from reality, the weakness, is often often just reads, skip a turn and take two horror. Yeah. So I use this. I think there's two things you can do. Either if you're set up to investigate anyway, you smash it and it just costs you an action. Say you're using six cents level four, so you're already investigating at a six and you've got other boosts or whatever it is. That's one option. The other option is I often just use the turn I get as a setup turn and just draw cards or play other assets that I wanted time to play and hadn't had yet because it frees you from all the enemies around you. It gives you that that breathing room and I accept that I'm taking two horror as a result and and I don't mind that. Like feels okay. I think where it's really nasty is if the Luke player has an important role to play in the party where maybe Luke is managing enemies or is your prime clue getter and suddenly they're missing a turn and you're like, oh, we really need to clear this clue so we could explore out of this location and we're now we're now trapped because you've gone off to sleep in pointless reality. Have your Has your recent Luke player had fun in the pointless reality? Yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's often a... Um... <laughs> move in there, use six cents, and then move out of it. Yeah, <laughs> with, with Pathfinder. What was the, what was it happened at the end of the first Innsmouth scenario? I feel like Luke was in a location with an enemy. Uh, was the last one to res- was the last one to resign. So so use the Dream Gate to move away from the enemy. Mm-hmm. Play delve too deep. Move oh nice back and then resigned. 
Yeah. So I just like from the enemy's point of view, what happened there? <laughs> it's just like, it's like, oh yeah, and then he disappears into a box. What? And then he reappears from behind him and then climbs up the ladder behind him. So, oh no, how did yeah. that happen? <laughs> I mean, it is amazing that he sort of teleports into this box and sleeps and disappears and things. The the ability is amazing. I ended up with one long playthrough. We essentially talked about loot like he's a cat and mm. the box is his little cardboard box that he climbs into. And yeah, that was a fun image that stayed with us. That Essentially, he's just disappearing into his little cardboard box. And he says he's in the dream world, but he's just <laughs> he's in a cardboard box. box. <laughs> yeah. Now, it, it's fascinating. And I think the thing that fascinates me most about Luke is how much he changes other cards that you're already familiar with. Mm. Do you know mm. what I mean? Yeah. So, so when you look at them through the lens of Luke... Almost every other mystic or, or seeker event takes on a different, different aspect. Yeah, which I think is absolutely fascinating, especially when you you combine that with the gate box, so you can use an event in any location effectively. Yeah, um, only only three times, up to three times, but still, like that's amazing. Yeah, and we if we look at I, I don't know I guess you've got more experience with Luke, so pick out a fun card, just pluck one out of the air, a fun card that you can use with his ability. Mm, spectral razor uh, yeah amazing <laughs> you just <laughs> slice someone from across the other side of the map deal three damage to an enemy so i mean yeah, obviously we want to see an event focus and in seeker we've got cards that draw us cards or search for cards and get clues and there are some you know combat events as well like a cult invocation and i've got a plan and then in mystic we've got events that allow you to use willpower to do anything we've got this the spell suite and then we've also got cancellation, so you can play Ward of Protection, things like that. Or deny existence. You wouldn't ever deny existence only works on you, you wouldn't do that. So there's a the particularly the Dream Eater spell suite, giving it that not only can you play these cards and add your willpower to your other stats, but also you can do that from a distance is really good. And I think the fact that it engages you with every enemy mean that combat events and evasion events grow in power as well it actually makes me think of two weeks ago when we were talking about the engage abilities in the into deep player cards and how enemies tax you actions by moving to them and engaging them yeah and luke weirdly has an enemy management role to play there because once he plays an event he moves to the connecting location and engages every enemy there essentially he doesn't actually do it yeah and that's why when i played through circle undone opposite jaya who was playing luke he specifically built Luke as the enemy management character. Yeah, I, and I think that's, that's legit, right? He's mm. got the gate boxes, three free auto-evades. Yes, yeah, exactly. I, I mean, it's not an evade because the, the, the enemies aren't exhausted, but it's just yeah. ping and you're gone. If the enemies don't have Hunter, they're, they're stuck wherever they were. Yeah, exactly. And he sometimes spent turns where he came to Mandy's location, took a load of enemies off me, and then that was his turn, and I then moved on. And then in the enemy phase, he disappeared into the gate box and left them there. Yeah. It was like, wait, hang on. Why were we going after this guy in a dressing gown? Like, Yeah, they all swing from him and then he's just gone. He's yeah. climbed yeah. inside his cardboard box. You know, the, the downside of using him as the enemy uh, management character is that five health. Yes. If things go wrong, he does get beaten up. And he does have a weakness that's going to hit him with some horror, probably, if you're not built up, built to investigate. So, you know, he essentially has a stat line of 5-7, which is pretty low. But the, the positive side is, after Guardian, if you want 
combat options. You're thinking about rogue or mystic, and upgraded spells give you the nice baked-in boosts and lots of damage. So you can do a lot there with an upgraded shriveling, or then an upgraded storm of spirits that does three damage to everyone. Spectral razor, as I mentioned. You know, there's lots of uh, blinding light, banish, bind monster. You can add in lots of different events to deal with enemies. So that's like a cool luke side that i didn't expect to see and was yeah really yeah. really fun to see and the other thing we talked about is that if if you aren't the main enemy manager and you're playing more of a flexible mystic hybrid role you can mm-hmm. really focus on that event spell suite that that was circle and done we saw that in wasn't it or is that in the dream eaters cycle dream eaters dream eaters yeah sorry dream eaters. he came in dream eaters sorry we were just yeah. talking about last week when we were talking about preston yeah, my mind, my mind focused on Circle Undone. Yeah, so, so those those spell events that came in that cycle, and for some reason it took me months to click that this was a good fit for Luke. Yeah, which of course means that you can take the mysterious vermi, <laughs> the vermis mysterious, the vermis mysterious. That's it. Yeah, you could. Yeah, and replay them for Doom. Yeah, which Jaya did. Yeah, hi Jaya. There's another card that you could take if you're mainly focusing on events to do your things, your clue getting, your enemy management. That means you're playing as a mystic who's not using your arcane slots. Yeah, well, I, I was going to go on and say this. Yeah, so you, you can yeah, have good on. fun with those slots, right? Yeah, you can play alchemical transmutation and healing words in your two arcane slots. Yeah. Yes. Finally. Yeah, I was thinking of Mind's Eye. And thinking that you can do a mind's eye. I know what you're going to say. You prefer mind's eye in a five willpower investigator. But still having mind's eye here for Luke means that he can do any of those Dream Eater spell events at eight. Which is really nice. It gives him that extra flexibility around maybe if he just builds up his willpower. A little bit like your Agnes in Think On Your Feet is doing. Yeah, You've then got that stat that you can turn to. It makes him kind of very reactive, I'd say. He could turn his hand to anything as needed, which appeals to me for the solo style. So, yeah. Is, was Mind's Eye the card you were thinking of when you were talking about fun things? Well, it, it's one of them, yeah. Um, yeah. Weirdly, uh, it's not as good in Luke, is it? Because he's only got he's mm-hmm. only got his stat four. So it's only mm-hmm. plus one or plus two over his other stats. Mm-hmm. But, you know, maybe you've got you've, you've boosted his willpower by by another means but i mean yeah you know there's all sorts of like you know protective incantation yeah yeah what's it called that one no one uses uh, arcane insight can he take no he can't take oh, is it level two, it's level four two, isn't right? it yeah level four yeah and uh, another nail in the coffin of arcane insight <laughs> sorry arcane insight yeah but but i think that there's quite a few cards like that which are hard to fit into a deck because they use that that arcane slot Mm, mm. I mean, if you wanted yeah. to, I guess you could take uh, take the Enchanted Sword, couldn't you? Yeah, yeah, fight at a four. I, th- I think then, um, should we move on to some of the challenges about playing Luke? Yeah, please do. One of the big challenges, I think, is working out what goes in his deck. <laughs> because... <laughs> yeah. So he's a mystic, so you might want to be doing spell assets and using your willpower. But he's only willpower four. So you're probably going to include things to boost your willpower, like a crystal crystal pendulum or a Hawkeye folding camera, whatever else it is. But then he has got access to Seeker and three intellect, so maybe you want to get clues using your intellect. So it's like like it's slightly the Marie problem all over again. What are you using your willpower for, and what are you using your in- intellect for? And then he's got this event focus, so maybe you want to include loads of events. 
In which case, do you want to use spell assets and assets to boost your willpower? I'm not sure. So I found that really challenging for quite a long time. And I think it's... I'm really glad that we did Preston last week and then Luke this week because they're both investigators that I find hard to build for. They're very different investigators, but there's something about each of them that I find really challenging about maybe getting the most out of their ability and also maybe breaking away from what I'm used to doing for deck building to try and optimise what they offer or something like that. I know that you've not found Luke to be the most straightforward either. What what did you find challenging about him? I think it was, it kind of blew my mind. I, I said before, one of the cool things about Luke, and it was one of the things that put a barrier uh, when I was trying to build a deck for him, is is how much you've got to think about what the other cards, what your cards can do. Mm. Mm. And I became petrified that I wasn't, I was missing obvious interactions or missing mm. missing good cards or or things like that. Uh, and and that, that, that threw me a bit. But I also found it difficult to have much clarity of purpose when I was building the deck. All the decks I built with Luke tried to do too much and didn't do any of it very well. Mm-hmm. I think if I'd take a crack at it now with, with DVM and, and spell events yeah, um, and have a bit more focus to it. But yeah, I think I think my problem was I felt like I couldn't spell very well and I couldn't clue very well as him. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's a bit like the Joe Diamond problem. Yeah. Yeah. It's that it's exactly that where you fall between two stools if you're not careful that you you need to really pick. I've seen decks as well. I might have even made one that had Renfield and Rook as the allies. So Renfield's giving you willpower and economy and then Rook is drawing you cards also maybe hitting astounding revelations for you. And that to me also, I've tried the deck and think it's it's strong, but it also was that kind of like muddiness of purpose. Like, what am I doing here? Is my ally a seeker or a mystic ally? Am I just going charisma and trying to just put all the powerful cards in this deck and hoping it works? And I found that, yeah, really challenging. Yeah, yeah. I, just briefly touching on allies, we've talked a bit about the, the kind of the package of, of Rook and Astounding Revelation. Uh, obviously, <laughs> Rook's uh, tabooed now. But I yeah. still think that that's a nice thing to look at for for Luke because the mm-hmm. Astounding Revelation has the effect of oh, hang on, am I right? No, it adds secrets. It adds secrets, not charges. Not charges. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> cut, cut all this out, Frank. Cut all this out. No, 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 no. But you can put the secrets on Rook and keep looking for your Enraptured say, which adds charges, yeah. or your Recharge if you're really keen to put charges on. For sure, for sure. I mean, maybe there's an Eldritch Sophist deck and you're moving charges from your alchemical transmutation onto the gate box. You know, that's not, uh, yeah. not necessarily bad. I don't think there is, but yeah. but sure. Does Eldritch Sophist's Sophist have secrets on him? Yes. <laughs> oh my god, this is so confusing. <laughs> the sophistry of Eldritch Sophist, yeah. The other thing is that I... The Elder Sign effect, plus one, place one charge on Gatebox, that is an insanely powerful Elder Sign effect. Probably in the top ten Elder Sign effects out there, because you get three charges on the Gatebox, and managing those charges efficiently is part of the key, I would say, to playing Luke well. So there's another option out there, which is an Olive McBride, Luke Robinson deck, and you go Elder Sign fishing with Olive McBride, Maybe you're also running six cents, so you're wanting to hit special symbols to get six cents to fire. There's there's a whole different aspect to Luke there, which is all around playing with tokens. 
Yeah. And I think I'd I'd emphasize as well that Luke is really appealing to me as a solo investigator because you have the gate box and it gives you such a great safety net for enemies. Thinking about last week with Preston where it's like, what do I do about enemies? I have no idea. All of my stats are one. With Luke, it's you can almost ignore worrying too much about enemies because you've got this way of getting away from enemies. And and sometimes when I played solo, turn one, you know, I've moved twice and I've played an asset. And that sets up so much openness then where I can, if I draw an enemy, I can disappear into the gate box and be apart from them. It just gives me all of that freedom to sort of run around and then play cards from the gate box or whatever else I need to do. Normally, I'd say if you're spending actions to move early on, you're actually you're wasting time because you're going to have to go back to the locations and investigate them. But Luke has Luke messes with all of that. He messes with our solo piloting ideas and all of that kind of thing. Yeah, that's Luke. Oh, upgrades. Yes, go on. Hit me with some upgrades. But you, you've mentioned Pathfinder a couple of times. That seems a, a good upgrade for Luke. Yeah, absolutely. Now at uh, 3 XP, is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But still good, very good. I think you'd be able to use that a huge amount. Not only has he got an inbuilt way of disengaging enemies, but it gives him that free move out of the gate box, which is which is really tasty. Yeah. The other one, I think he's only got willpower four. Mm-hmm. So some, if you're using spell assets, some uh, upgrades to those to give you a bit of an inbuilt boost to willpower. Agreed, and I think yeah. of, of the spell assets to use, I do think sixth sense is maybe one of the best. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So six sense level four mm-hmm. gives you plus two, I think. That's right. Yeah. That seems very good. Because you can even do with six sense four at a push. You can investigate in the gate box. Exactly. Yes. And and, and if you succeed, you get a lucky, a lucky token yeah. pull. Yeah, that's the olive thing. Um, I've just thought of another card. It's XP now. It didn't used to be. Knowledge is power. Yeah. Yeah. Knowledge is power is an event. So you can play it at a connecting location. So what Knowledge's Power does is it allows you to use any of your assets as though they're events at a connecting location. Yeah, this is this is this is exactly why I had difficulty. This is where your head explodes. Exactly, right? I was about to say. Yeah, this is this is where I have a problem because <laughs> suddenly yeah. I've got to think in like four dimensions. Yeah, yeah. So I'm engaged with an enemy, and you're playing as Luke. I'm like, help me, and you're looking at your hand, going, "Well, I don't have a spectral razor or a blinding light." So I can't, I can't go into the gate box and assist you. And then you're like, oh, but I could go into the gate box, play Knowledge's Power on my shriveling, and shrivel <laughs> from a connecting location. Oh, and that's use yeah. use my DVM to play Knowledge's Power from my discard pile. Yeah, exactly. To trigger at a connecting a, location. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like that's where Luke then becomes disgusting and fun and and really tricksy. And you, you just think, wait, hang on, wait, what did you just do? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Uh, in terms of other upgrades, I mean, Sketches 2 to draw three cards for zero cost is really nice. Yeah. I've seen that that used. Yeah. That and, used that and, and, and as you alluded to right at the start there, his, his ability makes the limitation on Sketches far easier to get around. Yeah. Yeah. Precisely. You could even move on from a location that you don't want to be at anymore and then play sketches, you know, the following turn because you've used your ability already or whatever. Yeah. I think Storm is so good in Luke. It's a shame not to Mm -hmm. upgrade that as well. 
Yeah, yeah. And and actually, you know, the the Dream Eaters spell event suite of Spectral Razor, Ethereal Form and Read the Signs don't have higher XP versions. So if that's what you're focusing on, you need to then look into, well, do you take Blinding Light 2 or Banish or do you take Storm of Spirits 3 to get to give you like the more impactful events as the campaign goes on? Because obviously they're they're great early on, but you'll need even more potent things later on, I think. Yeah. So yeah, that's Luke. He is it's funny, as we talk about him, we get kind of more and more frantic because he is sort of mad, <laughs> isn't he? Yeah, he is, yeah. And get drawn into his crazy world. Is there anything else you'd like to add before we finish up? I don't think so. It's been really interesting hearing you talk about him because you've got a bit more experience with him and, and know some more of the tricks. So mm. I can now look very good at playing him in front of my friends. <laughs> Which is the important thing. It's why we do the cast, right? Exactly, yeah. Would he like Curse? Could he be our rogue mystic curse team? He can run Deep Knowledge and what's the one we just searching for trouble? Is that what it's called? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. But but remember <laughs> it's too much. The, yeah. the, the point of curse is that you don't need to limit the curses to one character because they apply across the team. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I know that. Because he could run the new cursed asset suite if he wanted to. He could, yeah, but I think that maybe like are there any good curse events? I mean I guess like what was it, stirring up trouble it's called, isn't it? Yeah. That's quite nice because you can get two glues yeah. off any connecting location. Mm-hmm. Or any mm-hmm. location using gatebox. Yeah. I, th- I, th- I suppose with the gatebox though, you may as well just do read the signs or that other mystic event that gets you two clues, the name of which I can't remember. Like why spend an XP Unless it's all about putting curses in the bag. Well, who knows? Who knows? One to revisit. Yes. That's my next project, clearly. (laughs) Cool. Well, I hope you've enjoyed this. If you've got a zany Luke Robinson deck idea that you want to tell us about, we're drawn to the flame podcast at gmail.com. We're drawn to the flame on Facebook, Twitter, designed by humans and Patreon. You could think about becoming a patron. If you're not already, thank you to the patrons. Peter, how can people get in touch with you? I am United everywhere. That's U-N-I-T-L-E-D. I'm on Twitter and Discord and I'm on Instagram as the.unitled. So please say hello. How about you, Frank? I'm FB on Twitter. That's E-P-H underscore B-E-E. And I'm Zooey Glass or Zozo around the place. Thanks very much for listening. Thank you.